Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. Once again, our orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist, Dr. Grant Garcia, grantgarciamd.com. He's got a lot of great content out there also. You can check out on YouTube or his LinkedIn page and go to his webpage. Lots and lots of information. Let's get right to it. How are you? I'm great. It's been a little while since we last chatted, but yeah. um, things are going well. You know, end of the year rush for... Uh, with you know injuries and people wanting surgeries and stuff so it's kind of busy but hopefully get some time in the holidays a little bit of relaxation but it's good to talk to you you know dr garcia i know people are rushing in to to see you and get things done i really don't want to see you in that facet so hopefully i don't have an injury (laughs) where i have to utilize your incredible skill set but if if we can see you know each other outside of the office great inside the office that means i've got some issues that i need to take care of Anyway, it's World Cup time. Everyone's really excited. We're almost at the end of this incredible tournament and tournament that happens once every four years. So it's absolutely amazing because the stakes are so high and it's so important to so many people. You know, we just saw a Portugal loss and one of the greatest players to ever play, Ronaldo, just, you know, walking off the field in, in, in complete tears and what it matters to these players in the country. What is is your take and how are you enjoying the world cup well my take is you know it's amazing to see some of the articles showing you know messi ronaldo like the, you know their last world cup and these guys that essentially over the last 10 15 years have grown up watching and seeing their uh skill set and getting to be sort of amazed at their skill set and their ability to play on, at so long you know soccer is a pretty aggressive sport. I mean, it's a lot of running. It's a lot of movement. You know, we talk about football with the turf fields, et cetera, but they're dealing with the fields all the time with these cleats. And yeah. so the, their longevity is impressive. And then, you know, the World Cup's so exciting because it's totally different than anything else that we watch. It's like the Olympics, but isolated to one sport and really, really, really country-focused. Um, you know, you have these games that come down to penalty kicks that decide, you know, which country's better in that moment. It's pretty impressive that this game brings everybody together and it gets people really excited. You know, it's a it's a really unique experience that again, once every 4 years that we get to we get to enjoy. Yeah, and it's a great excuse for us to talk about injuries, right? <laughs> and this is what we're here for. Yeah. yeah. All right, There's so a lot. And since it's the World Cup, you get to have two questions from me this time. I normally like to save a question at the end of our show just to have a little bit of fun, but this is the World Cup. We're at the highest level. This is the greatest stage right here. So here comes your first question. You ready? Yes. (laughs) All right. Can you name, there's been plenty of goal scorers in World Cup history. There's a top 10 for World Cup scorers. I am looking for one name, not the not the leading score, anybody on that top ten list, can you name one all time World Cup score? Uh, I would probably say Pele. Pele is number five. He has scored 14 goals in 12 games. Uh, so that is a great, great choice. Another person that was and, and this is why I kind of had the question there was uh, Jurgen Klinsman. He was the coach for the USA team uh, years ago, and he's on that list as well. So great job, one for one. Let's get to it. Um, 
first off, let's talk about some of the common football injuries uh, that you see come through your office. So, you know, the number one, which we've talked about at nauseum here with different sports, is obviously ACL. Yeah. Uh, we're World Cup right now. We're focusing on the men's sports. Uh, we see ACL tears, but not nearly as common as we see them in women. They're about two to eight times more common in females. Okay. Uh, so we do see a lot of unfortunate soccer injuries, and I've seen a lot this year alone um, in terms of the ACL. Uh, we haven't seen as many at the World Cup, uh, but, you know, we've seen a lot of other things. So, you know, the ACL tears, you have the ligament tears, you know, lateral collateral ligament, MCL uh, those are the, the major sort of outside ligament tears. And then, then we get to the ones which we'll talk about, which is the nagging injuries, you know, the quads, the hamstrings, a lot of lower extremity uh, injuries. And then, you know, you see the ankle uh, injuries as well, um, as well as hip. But really the knee is, takes the brunt of it. And if you look at sort of the injury report, which we'll talk about from the World Cup, it's a, a lot of knee injuries. Why are these quad, hamstring, and calf strains uh, just super nagging? That they, you know, is this something that you you kind of fight through, or it's just something that lingers? What what makes it difficult, especially at this stage where there's so much at stake that maybe a player or a staff might say, "Yeah, I know you're kind of feeling a certain way, but we still need you to get out there." Well, the problem is that, you know, we hear of other injuries like an MCL sprain or we hear of a lateral collateral sprain. Those are ligaments. And when you, and there are, there are tendons that attach to the hamstring tendon or the quad tendon, but they're usually not quad tendon tears or hamstring tendon tears. Okay. They're usually muscle strains. And those are a lot harder. You have to wait for the muscle to sort of congeal and then change its formation and then scar and then expand. And if you push things too far, which we talk about with calf tears, hamstring, or quad, you know, you can re-injure very quickly. And if you, if you really dive into the data on sports injuries, you'll see, I mean, you, how many players have you seen that have had a hamstring tendon, in, hamstring injury, and they just seem to never come back? They're yeah. continually out for the football season, continually out for, you know, baseball, you name it. And uh, they're really, they're really nagging injuries. And the, the problem is there's nothing... You know, we'll talk about little fixes, but there's no, you know, surgery that gets them back uh, on the field. It's just time. We've got four teams left in the World Cup, Argentina, Croatia, France, and Morocco. The first matchup will be uh, Tuesday. That's Argentina versus Croatia. Um, and we've got some some key injuries there. One of the ones that we want to talk about was Paulo Dabala. He suffered a torn hamstring October 9th uh, while scoring a penalty. It looked initially like he was going to be available for the World Cup. He's, uh, he's a bench option throughout the tournament. We talked about hamstring. It was a perfect segue into this torn hamstring. October 9th, right? Now we're December 12th. The game will be played on the 13th. You're looking at two months. Why is this injury so difficult? So, you know, again, I'm assuming with this, it's probably a, uh, a partial tear, but there are different grades of tendon tears. There's grade one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Grade one is sort of irritation of the tendon. Grade two is sort of a partial tear, and grade three is a full tear. Um, and there's also muscle tears as well. You know, what it sounds like to me is he probably had a muscle injury or a muscle tendinous injury, probably grade two, mm-hmm. um, probably not a grade three, grade threes, usually, especially with a high level athlete like that, you know, a full pull off of the tendon, you know, he's not coming back without surgery. 
So the problem you have is that just when you start to feel better, you know, you can't tell an MRI if they're doing well. So there's no real way to know until you just let them go back, right? And then you re-injure it. So it's just time. And sometimes you see people come back in like four weeks, but you've seen a number of players, and here's one, uh, continually set back by these injuries. What stands out for you if you're testing an elite player like that to see whether they're, they're a go, especially when it sounds like, yeah, he's ready to play, but he's coming off the bench? I mean, you almost worry about it sort of a ticking time bomb, right? Mm. You want to make sure that they're obviously stretched out enough because any type of contraction that they've had uh, can put you at an increased risk with your that high load that you're putting on it. Um, and I'm looking for, you know, good muscle strength, equal strength, equal cutting, equal pausing, equal stopping, and really that quick burst speed because that's really the the real the, the area where it repairs, right? That standard running these are not tearing it while they're running. They're tearing it from that stop, go, stop, go. You really have to watch the rest of their body, right? If they're not as strong there, that's a higher risk of injury. So if they're able to do it, then you then you can see it, right? Yep. Before we kind of get into you know some of the other injuries, what are your thoughts real quick about this matchup from uh, Croatia and Argentina? Well, you know, you have the goalkeeper you mentioned who's been impressive, um, but you obviously have Messi on the other team, and Argentina's been here before. You know, they know this. They're... They're a powerhouse. You know, they've got their strongest players on that team. So it's difficult to, you know, I'm kind of in the zone of, I think, that unfortunately experience wins out. You know, Croatia's kind of the underdog right now uh, with the background of Argentina. But, you know, we've also seen already in this tournament, you know, underdogs prevail sometimes. So I hope it's going to be a good game, and it usually is in these situations. But, you know, I think that Argentina probably is going to win out. But again, that's just my prediction. You've worked in with professional sports teams. When they say undisclosed, what's the first thing, uh, without knowing what's going on, what's the first thing that kind of rings in your head? It's difficult uh, because, you know, when I see undisclosed, it, it also could mean that they don't really know. You know, they're still doing testing. Mm. They're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. But, you know, again, they're supposed to be these injury reports. Again, it depends on... The, I'm not as familiar with the soccer, uh, but, you know, with the football, et cetera, you're supposed to really disclose as much as possible. But we know how the games work, right? Yeah. They go on that national television and they say, this person has this, and they really try to be as super vague as possible because they don't want the other team to know whether that player is actually going to come back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the undisclosed could also be just sort of, we think they have an abdominal strain, but we can't really test for it. We can't really identify it. It's kind of like you said, muscle injury. That, that's a very vague injury pattern, but there's something that's not allowing them to get back to their fullest level. There's, num- there's something that's not allowing them to perform at that high, high um, effort uh, and ability. And so you worry about that information and what does that mean? You talked about the quad and the strains. What are some of the things that you do to get these players back faster? So, you know, the first thing you want to do is an immediate period of just very short rest. And then you really, you really want movement. I mean, when you have a bad quad injury, it's kind of counterintuitive, but you want to sort of, you kind of splint them for a few days in flexion, which is the opposite of what you think, right? You'd want, you thought you'd think you'd make their legs straight. Uh, but in this situation, you don't want to have, because the problem you have with some of these injuries, you can get ossification of the muscle. And so you don't want to have it too long immobilized. And then you start certain rehab techniques pretty quickly 
and you can add things like blood flow restriction, et cetera, if it's not a bad muscle injury to try to get the, um, to try to get the strength back, but not having to worry about overdoing the muscle. And then, you know, you start thinking in these acute injuries, and there's lots of studies on this, and we've talked about biologics before, but, you know, there's routinely professional athletes, they have, P- like I said before, they have PRP machines in the facilities, and they will use these to inject, um, they'll inject the players under ultrasound guidance in an area of maximum tenderness, or they can find a hematoma where there's blood from the injury uh, to try to speed up the healing. If you have a torn quad, that, that's just something that at that point you just need surgery, right? Or is there different levels that you could say, well, you know, we could still kind of treat it. But once you have a torn quad, is that pretty much you need to go get surgery? Whether it's a, uh, a muscle tear or a tendon tear. So, you know, if you have a muscle tear, a lot of times you can get away without surgery. A full tendon tear that usually needs surgery. And so those are a little less common mm. um, in athletes. They're generally in patients that are a little bit older. Uh, but we do. there are, you know, there's a number of players that have had this before. Um, again, it depends on the area of the, of the quad that you injure. Uh, but a lot of these injuries you're talking about, you know, there are some quad tendon tears, but a lot of them are muscle tears. Um, and those generally can be treated without surgery, which is good. Okay, so uh, before we move on to the matchup with France and Morocco, you know, what were your thoughts, reactions, uh, your hope for uh, Team USA, not so much, you know, what they did now, but going forward? So, you know, my uh, my hope was obviously that they would advance farther. Um, it's a little bit unfortunate. Um, but again, I, you know, you mentioned this, I talked about this before, but, you know, it's, it does show your, your place in the world with soccer, and hopefully we continue to progress and we can make it farther next time. You know, there is a lot of potential. Um, and it was good to see we had a Seattle guy, uh, Jordan Morrison, on the team. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, you know, obviously, you root for them. Um, I actually am um, part Brazilian, too, so I do root for Brazil a little bit. Um, but I am, I am a Team USA guy. These tournaments are not easy, especially when anything can happen. It, it's just, it's, I guess, why everybody tunes in all right let's go with france and morocco obviously the big conversation was if really both teams i mean for them to beat england france to beat england was incredible and then you have a morocco to get here uh becoming the first african side in history to reach a world cup semifinal, uh beating portugal one nothing i think both storylines are uh, amazing so just a quick reaction on how these two teams got here and your thoughts well, it's impressive. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed in Mor- with Morocco. You know, it's amazing that France beat uh, England, et cetera. But the, um, but the fact that Morocco is there is just it's like it's like we talk about those. You know, we get that we get that with basketball, March Madness. You know, and it's not the same level. Obviously, this is a country, and it's been a long time, and never happened like you mentioned. Yeah. So, I, I'm I'm deep down rooting for Morocco, but I I don't know. I think unfortunately, I think France is going to prevail, but we'll see. But they both have a lot of injuries, so that's, that does make things a little bit difficult. I mean, they showed a article recently showing all the injuries that France has. I mean, there's eight significant—I mean, Morocco does have a lot, too, but there yeah. are a number of players that are really good and are out. Yeah, you know, for them, they're stacked, though. I mean, they've got so many players. But, you know, you mentioned it. There's some of the best players in the world that are on these, you know, Premier League teams are not playing. I'm going to pick out some of the injuries that we didn't talk about. Uh, Lucas Hernandez has an— uh, 
adductor tear and he tried to play and he only played like nine minutes in and then at that point he uh clutched his leg and you know a lot a lot of pain he's been ruled out and then they determined that he had an acl rupture so how do those two things kind of uh, coincide and and just explain how do we go from a adductor tear to an acl uh rupture well that's an unusual combination i will tell you that Um, but you know, adductor uh, tears, you're thinking about sort of a groin pull. You remember LeBron James had one of those a while ago? Yeah. And these can be really painful. And I remember when I was a kid swimming, I would get them frequently, and it's not an easy thing to deal with. Mm. Um, and it's really nagging, and most of the time it's not anything surgical. But what can happen, as you imagine, with these tear patterns is you – you are not able to land appropriately. You're doing weird things with your, your legs to try to avoid the injury pattern, you know, probably wrapped up really tight, probably had an injection. You know, I don't know the whole details of his injury Yeah. and then injures his knee because he's not in the appropriate mechanics. So, you know, you had Kevin Durant, remember he came back from that calf injury and then eventually had Achilles, you know, there's a kinetic chain and, and if it's at all disturbed, you increase your risk for other injuries. There's probably more to that story because we don't have the background information you know, these things don't always, they don't usually happen by happenstance, yep. but nonetheless, you know, we're inferencing that that's probably the case. Yeah. It, it, when I read it, I, I got scared. I was uh, like, wait a minute, <laughs> how does that area affect the other? But it makes sense, right? You know, maybe compensation, maybe like you said, there's something else that was going on. Maybe it was a matter of time, you know, who knows, but just reading that, I was like, that sounds painful. And now that sounds painful. So not, not a, not a good one. And it's the same thing that's kind of been happening. You know, there's a lot of guys out, whether it's a knee injury with Paul Pogba, uh, a key player, not only for the tournament, but you know, around the world, he's one of the best players in the world. You know, there's been a lot of different knee issues, uh, calf strains, is there anything that you do that you can recommend, uh, whether it's to players or coaches, you know, the way they warm up or certain, certain exercises to f- uh, focus on? I mean, I think, obviously, the most important thing is the for the high-level athletes. Is, I think it's the wearables. You know, are, mm. are there, is all their kinetics working appropriately? Are they properly warmed up? Are they properly exercised? Are they over-fatigued? You know, those things are all important, and they have all those numbers. They're dialed in. You know, these professional teams, they try so many of the new, you know, we've talked about the cutting-edge technology. You know, they've got things that are, they try all the experimental stuff because the experimental companies want the the professional teams to be on board with them because that's how they advertise. And the professional teams want it because they want to get an edge over the the next team. And so, you know, in their locker room, in their advertisements from the companies, you know, they're all trying to have these next, stages to keep these athletes stronger and faster so you know reading their mechanics reading their biology taking blood labs those are all important to see if the person's at a higher risk um if they're low sodium or things like that and then wearables from you know special garments copper you know other garments that they wear to try to reduce the fatigue in their legs and then training like i said blood flow restriction um and then from injury standpoints different injections uh, you know, you have cupping, you have other massage techniques. So all of these things you try to do to reduce these injuries. But, you know, unfortunately, you still see a ton of them. So despite all this technology that I talk about, you know, it's not that it's, I, I don't know if it's even, 
I don't even know if it's more common or less common. I would imagine it's more common now than it used to be because the players are faster and stronger, right? You know, everybody, we just continue to get bigger, faster, stronger with all technology we have. And that, that doesn't lead, our bodies are only made to do so much. And so you have these injuries that happen. Yeah, and Morocco's, uh, you know, having similar injuries, whether uh, they've got a guy out ACL and hamstrings and two things. One, we taught, we had a whole show on wearables, right? And they're important. So it's a great segue for anybody listening to go back and, and check out that uh, that show and episode on uh, wearables uh, that, that we did. Which was a great episode. That was a great podcast. Yeah, and we'll definitely have uh, some of that on our end of the year show. So we'll... Be, be sure to watch out for that show. All right, what is your um, prediction for uh, France and Morocco here? I think it's going to be France, unfortunately. I'm rooting for Morocco, but I think it's going to be France. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough for Morocco. Um, they do a lot of things well. They are tough. Uh, you know, when you watch them play, they play really, really hard, and uh, they're very defensive-minded. You know, so I think regardless, I think they're going to come and, and compete. Real quick, with some of the treatments that's out there, whether it's PRP and Shockwave, can you explain some of that stuff that, you know, some of these uh, clubs may be using? So, you know, the PRP injections like we talked about, those are for mostly, you know, real injuries like someone has a muscle strain tear to try to accelerate the healing process. And Shockwave, actually one of our, our offices, one of the few that offers this option. And we've done a number of players, you know, every probably three months, I get a call from somebody uh, with a professional player in town that wants to try the shockwave out. Okay. Um, we've had, we've had, uh, you know, we've had Seahawks players, you name it, come in for this. And basically it's this high powered sort of ultrasound thing that basically causes micro injury to there and causes it basically breaks up scar tissue and causes healing. So it can actually be treatment oriented for an injury or also for a tendinopathy so people have some achilles inflammation you can actually shock it and cause inflammation to go away for a a little bit and people do it sort of pre-treatment regimen um and on top of that you can also use it for injuries as well uh for muscle injuries um and it's a pretty it's a pretty aggressive treatment It, it i have not done it myself but i've actually my partners have tried it um and i've you know talking to the players you know it's it feels like pins and needles um but it's really effective I know you do a lot of skiing. Is that something that you uh, may consider? I may. It sounds pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't think I would do it unless I needed it. Okay. But at the same point, maybe I don't have the highest pain threshold, so who knows. Uh, but the I think that if I needed it, I would definitely try it out. I mean, it's available, and it works really well. And, you know, obviously, no injection needed. It's a complete ultrasound, so no damage to the skin. Um, which people like. So, you know, that's, it's a positive. All right. As we wrap it up, just a quick note. Uh, Argentina has won the World Cup twice, uh, 76 and 86. And for those soccer fans out there, that was the 86 was the Diego Maradona. The, the hand of God, which was a fancy way of saying it was a handball goal, and they wound up winning. France has won it twice, 98 and 2018. Croatia has not won it, and obviously uh, Morocco hasn't since this is their first time making it this far. So if you have Argentina and you have France, who are you going with? Argentina. Okay. Well, tell me why. You got you to elaborate a little bit. Oh, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. So, uh, you know, I just 
I have this sort of storybook thing, Messi's last time in the World Cup winning it. Yep. France has a lot of injuries. They have a really strong powerhouse. But, you know, these, as we've seen with a lot of professional teams, uh, injuries add up. And at some point to catch up, you know, it's every, there's been so many articles on France, like, you know, how have they made it this far with this many injuries? It, it only, it only can go so far, you know? Yeah. And, um, every game, you know, who knows gets injured the next round. Uh, I just, I just think Argentina's healthier right now as a team, even though they've had injuries as well. I would like to see it. I would love to see Messi go out, uh, with a world cup championship, that that would just be absolutely amazing, and you know, just another feather in a very large cap uh, for one of the greatest players to ever play. I think if I had to take a guess, my prediction would be France versus Croatia. It would be a rematch of 2018. It would be the first time that a team has played uh, each other in back-to-back World Cups. So that's interesting on that front. And I would say that Croatia will get their first championship, but I would like to see Argentina. All right, last question here. This is a little bit of a tough one, all right? So unless you're going to be, you know, do some quick math. The World Cup has been around since 1930. They've played every four years since then. Obviously, there was two World Cups that weren't played, and that was from uh, 38 to 50. And for you history buffs out there, it's because there was World War II. So my question is, do you know what number World Cup this is? Oh, my gosh. So they, 1930s, so 34, they didn't do 38, so one. And then 50 years would be divided by four-ish. 11, 12, 13. Uh, probably going to say 18. 22. I, I, li- I like where you oh. were going with this. This is the 22nd World Cup, obviously with World War II and 39-45, so they didn't, they didn't play after 38. Uh, or No, they didn't play in 38 because at that point, <laughs> things were getting sketchy and around the world, so they weren't going to play. And then I guess the next time would they would have played in 40... I guess 46, but that would have been a year after World War II. So they waited till 1950 to play again. So this is the 22nd World Cup. All right. That's our World Cup for you fans. Uh, Dr. Garcia, I appreciate your time. If we don't speak, we will because we're going to prepare for our end of the year celebration, our end of the year show that's going to highlight some of the shows that we really enjoyed and some of the topics. So we're going to eventually get together and figure out, you know, what do we want to talk about or um, have our listeners um, just kind of recap and condense it all down. But for everyone else, Dr. Yeah. Grant Garcia, orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine specialist. Check them out at grantgarciamd.com. Hey, I'm excited about that last show. we got to put this together. It should be a lot of fun. It should be great. There's so many fun topics to talk about or to recap. So always good talking to you, Will. And I'm looking forward to the last one before the end of the year. All right, man. I hope you get some rest and relaxation. I hope that nobody's coming into the office with some injuries. Uh, you know, nobody wants to get hurt for the holidays. And I uh, wish you and your family the very best. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, Will. Same to you. Thank you. Take care. Bye.